Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Guess what? It's your favorite time. My podcast, once again. Uh, <laughs> it's the Three Questions with Andy Richter. Uh, and I have a very funny, very talented, uh, just a ball of goodness, <laughs> Mr. John Putting Gabris. the ball in ball of goodness over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I didn't mean that. In any, you no, know, I'm, I, I wear it, it proudly. It could be a cube of goodness. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Even better. <laughs> Right. And just some kind of goodness. Um, so how are you? I'm wonderful. Happy. Uh, you know, we're back into the real world. It feels like I, mean, I know back into the real world. Of course, I'm referring to the new real world that has been established as of, you know, April 2020. Yes. So holidays during a time like this feel insane. You know, I just came around yeah. from the, my first uh, L.A. Christmas ever. My first Christmas in an apartment that I was living in in, in my entire life. And I'm almost yeah. 40 because, like, yeah. we don't have kids. So we always have to go to our family's houses. And this year we were like and I was upset about not seeing family. But I'll tell you, when that day comes around where normally you're packing up for like 12 days of sleeping in your childhood bedroom with all of your shit and your dog and you have a 5 a.m. flight out of LAX, mm -hmm. when that day- Yeah, out of the fucking airport at Christmas time. <laughs> That's the thing. That, the airport at Christmas time, I honestly, I would rather throw myself off a cliff. My mom is so frugal that she, I can't get, and this is the one that I wish you would, I'm like, it's- $1,800 for me and my wife to come home for Christmas and that's just yeah. flying and it sucks. And yeah. this year when that day passed, I'm like, when I said to my wife, I was like, babe, do you know this morning we would be already like shitting. I'd be shitting at the LAX, like Delta lounge <laughs> being like, Oh, I got a six hour flight with the dog. And I'm now going to hang out with my mom and my brothers. And the fact that none of that was there, we bought our mom's amazing Christmas gifts and sent them yeah. home. Like the most amount of money I ever spent to my mom. And we still ended up prof. Like it would have cost us more just to go home and live. Yeah. And yeah, I'll tell you what, I feel fucking great. I can't like, <laughs> and I feel awful. I haven't seen my mom in you know almost a year now, but not traveling home for Christmas was wildly freeing. And I know most people who are almost 40 know that, but like for me, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, kids just change things, you know, yeah. like, uh, like when we had kids, when my ex-wife and I start, you know, had kids and we started entering that age, we made the decision Okay, now it's time for our Christmas, you know, because you just don't want. And also, it's just like I don't. We didn't want the 
Well, you went to their house last year, and now you got to come to our house this year. All of that. Oh, nonsense. that's a whole game in of itself. And yeah, my thing is, my family's in Long Island. My in-laws are all in Westchester, New York, so they're close enough that oh every God, one it's... of them is a double dip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, Long Island to Westchester blows. Yes, there's no. If you want to take public transit, it's like four transfers, and it's insane. Oh. Uh, and so I'm 35 years old and me and my wife are getting dropped off in Nyack to wait for her mom to pick us. So we're standing with our luggage in Nyack and I'm like, we're adults who make money. We can afford cars, but it's like, I'm not going to pay for yeah. a rental car over Christmas. So on right. Christmas day, I'm racing to get to my in-laws. So I'm in time there for fondue, despite leaving my mom's Christmas breakfast. Everyone's <laughs> mad at you. And now everyone's <laughs> equally mad, but me and my wife got to do whatever the fuck we wanted for the first time a couple years ago, we blew off to Europe for Christmas, and that was our the best Christmas I've ever had. And then I got to yeah. say, no offense to my family and my in-laws, my second favorite Christmas was this year. And we just watched yeah. an awful movie and ate amazing Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the best Christmas I've had in years. Yeah. <laughs> my, mine was fine. I mean, um, my ex-wife and I are on very good terms, and, and so uh, we still have Christmas morning at – our old, I live in a separate house now, but we still have uh, Christmas morning with everybody opening presents. And I hung out there for a few hours. And this is our, my second post divorce Christmas. Yeah. So it's um, that last year's was awful, it was just plain old awful. The first one and, sounds like on paper, yeah. sounds like it should be very hard and yeah. difficult. Yeah. I had, I, I wasn't, I, it surprised me a little bit because at that point I had, I had moved out on like 10 months prior prior but i so i was kind of like well i'm used to this but it i wasn't and the fact is is i'm not i'm still not used to i mean it's it's going on two years now and it's i'm still not used to it i still there's still like fucking abscesses of sadness that i just come across in my everyday that i'm like oh wow all of a sudden i'm real fucking sad <laughs> oh yeah uh, like oh what is fundamentally different about this uh, experience than it was a oh fuck yeah oh, that's right. what yeah, it is yeah. oh man yeah. oof i knew this felt different and now it feels <laughs> awful and different yeah but this year you know i i was over there we made breakfast and and hung out and uh, and then, but you know, like mid afternoon, I came back home and I did the exact same thing, but just with my dog. <laughs> I watched, I watched TV and ordered Chinese food. Right. It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And now you have like that's your Christmas tradition. You know what I mean? That's not yeah. a, like, yeah. And that's what was exciting for me and my wife was like. I think we maybe created our own tradition and like we're not really planning on having kids right now. So it's like mm -hmm. we're going to be hard pressed December 2021 to tell my uh, Catholic Italian widow of a mother. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to come home for Christmas again because Chinese food is good and, <laughs> we, and it's so much yeah. better than flying. My mom yeah. will fucking jump in front of a fucking train <laughs> because all of you people are a lot of work. Yes, uh. like, I don't know how to articulate that to my mom. Yeah, yeah. Like, she got like heartbroken a two years ago when I went to Europe, and she was like, "Well, I just love having you here." And I said, "It doesn't feel like that, considering that when I get there, I am not treated at all like a guest, and you don't have." anything in the fridge. I have to like make the bed that I'm staying in. I feel, and 
unwelcomed in my own childhood home, Joanne. I said to my mom, and she was like heartbroken. <laughs> and and it, I think she also then realized she's like, yeah, shit. I never did anything to make him like excited. Like my, my wife, when we go to visit her mom, she's like, I know you love Sauv Blanc. I got you the gin you like. Uh, there's uh, pizza rolls in the freezer. And Tiffany's like, oh, thanks, mom. Yay. You thought of me coming here. My yeah, mom is yeah, like, yeah. you got to help me move the couch from the basement to upstairs. And your brother's laundry is all over the house. And also the gut is a mess. I miss your father. And it's like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. My mom, when I got married, too, we started to... Uh, when we would go there, stay in a hotel, like, because it's like, it just, it wasn't, there wasn't really like good room for us. And I don't want to like, I don't want to share a bathroom with anybody. You know yeah. what I mean? How's like, your mom about that? Cause we looked into Airbnb and broke her heart. Exactly. And I'm like, mom, and I, but I had to, I had to be like, mom, I'm a grown man. I make a living. I want my own bathroom. And, but, and, and what I had to leave out of it was I need some breathing space. I need just like I need a safe zone to go back to to just decompress because I'm not used to all of this. Say, you know, oh, I, I tried. Yeah. I'm like, Mom, I haven't lived here in 20 years. It's difficult for me to come home. And like there's layers to it for me, too, like because my, sure. my dad was on hospice in the living room for oh. like six months. And it was after I lived, moved out. So my my most recent experience with home is like my dad dying where the Christmas tree is now. Jesus so Christ. There's that yeah. layer. And then on top of it, I it's the in-law layer too for my poor wife where I'm like, my family is intense and I need a break for it. So God only knows how you feel. And it's like, how much can a hotel around Christmas cost? Like we looked into Airbnbs. We've done it before because, and my mom, it would absolutely shatter my mom. And I'd be like, yeah. But I'm coming over in the fucking morning. You go upstairs and and make phone calls and watch Dr. Phil for like 14 hours while I'm over, which is completely <laughs> fine. You have to. Yeah. That, oh, now we're stumbling on something else that bothers me. We have to drop everything in our lives to fly home for 13 days to do a few days with my mom, a few days with her mom. And then we do usually like a little city weekend with yeah. our friends, like since we used to live yeah. there, just an adult, like let's get a Airbnb and fucking get blasted and cook food and watch the ball drop. But when we get home, everyone in my family, everyone in my wife's family, they're all working and have plans. And it's like, my mom's a nurse. And she's like, I have to work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It's like, you know, I'd rather be at home if I'm going to just yeah, be yeah, hanging yeah. alone. It's like, I don't need to like go to my old Dunkin' Donuts for a fucking nostalgia trip. <laughs> I'd rather be walking to my bougie ass <laughs> coffee shop in my neighborhood and smoking legal weed and not sleeping in my fucking <laughs> full bed that I slept in 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I can't, it just can't come across for some. So, and around Christmas, me and my wife are childless. Both of us have two younger brothers who both all have children. So when we go home, it's about them, which is so exciting. But trying to visit your own family around Christmas, there's so much shit built into Christmas that when you go to visit your mom, like your brother's in-laws are there. And then like when you go to visit your mother-in-law, your brothers-in-laws, in-laws are there and you're like, I'm spending Christmas Day with someone I'm like three levels removed from and I have to be nice to them. And I, if it's like, yeah, if it's yeah, my yeah. own family, I could be like, Uncle Mitch, shut the fuck up, dude. But when it's my, <laughs> my, my brother-in-law's mother-in-law, I'm like, ah, oh, thank you. Yes, yeah, this is yeah, much yeah. better than being in Paris with my wife alone. Yes, thank you. 
yeah, that I mean, it's what kind of person you are. You know, it's just like and I I find even though I'm in this the business of kind of making an ass of myself in so many different ways. I'm kind of shy. Like, I don't want to. I'm not like somebody like I work with somebody, Conan O'Brien, who's genuinely thrilled to meet new people. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with I'm that like, dude? <laughs> I know. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? New people? <laughs> I work with this dude is a very funny way to <laughs> talk about Conan. For you <laughs> yeah, I work with this guy, this redheaded guy at work <laughs> yeah. for three decades. He, <laughs> well, and I mean, but it's thank God he, you know, has that because that's what has kept the whole ship afloat <laughs> His, his his desire to you know get attention from other people. Uh, I but I have that too. But he does. He generally loves it. We when we go places, he's like, I want to go out and meet people. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, I want to go to my hotel room and hide. Yeah. What are you talking? I want to get high and bring takeout or room service into my room. Watch yeah. two movies and not interact with anyone. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I want to take off all my clothes for a day and a yeah, half. I, wanna, I want the air conditioner. For, I want the front desk to be like, hey, is everything okay up there? You've been running it at 68 <laughs> degrees for 48 hours. <laughs> yep, that's me. I'll get the I'll get the bedspread off the other bed and put it on myself and crank the AC just so I get that feeling uh, of like Love a two-bed hotel room. room. One for cranking yeah, off yeah. and one for sleeping. <laughs> oh, time to move beds. Yeah. <laughs> just come in a huge bath towel, throw it on the floor, and jump to the other towel. <laughs> Huge bath towel. Wow, you're younger than me. Yeah. Well, that's more about I, like feeling like a king of just, you know, oh, right, right. using a towel and throwing laundry. it on the floor and yeah. putting a five on the nightstand. Yeah, yeah. I'm not using my sock this time. Yeah. I don't have to worry about flushing this toilet paper before my wife gets home. Yeah, but uh, you say you were kind of friendly. Like, you are kind of like that. I am kind of like that. I have that for sure. I have what I've been referring to as talk to me face. I have a face that other people see and go, I should probably just start talking to this dude. And I'm yeah. like, Oh no. And my wife thinks it's because I have like a big expressive face. Like I'm up the same reason why kids gravitate to me when I'm like, when they're on their mom's shoulder, they always look at me and are like, Whoa, what is that face? Yeah. yeah. I think I get yeah. that with the bigger the freak is. And I use the term freak uh, uh, colloquially. Like I just mean in general, like weirdos, I they right. look at me and they go, I better go up to this guy and just start talking about something like uh, we've been having this conversation for years. And it's like, yeah, I just yeah. have that. And I don't mind meeting new people, but I also have like what you're talking about, where it's like and I have sometimes just get in my head where I'm like. I don't get to talk to my best friends this much. So stranger, I have to cut you off here. Like I get a yeah, little bit yeah. of it and I'm like, there's a part of me. I love meeting new people, but there's a part of me that's like when your life flashes before your eyes, are you going to be happy that I talk to like 80 people outside of the fucking uh, Boston improv theater or whatever? Like, I'm like that. Yeah. I'm going to be like, I can't believe I <laughs> like, it always comes back and it's like, I should have asked my grandpa more questions about world war two. Instead. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, instead I spent three hours talking about fucking Autobots and yeah. Decepticons right, with some right. guy who's just getting me to sign his comedy bang bang poster or some shit. Right. I'm talking to my cousin's boyfriend <laughs> yeah, exactly. about, you know, paintball. You know. Uh yeah, no, I, and I you know, people are I think I mean, I, you know, like if I ever bitch about it online, like I remember once I bitched about 
I can't remember what city I was in, but every Uber driver was the chattiest motherfucker I had ever met. And, you know, I'm sorry. I don't like small talk is kind of work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like I get paid to talk and have small talk. So from and it's not that like, oh, I don't you know, I, I'm, I'm late. It's like I'm off the clock. Like, I just just let me be just let me sit here and not. Yeah. But. You know, and I and I people fucking were like, oh, well, it must be nice to be able to make fun of people trying to make a living and who are just trying to be personable. Oh, and people like, people are dying uh, okay, for an okay. excuse. Like, uh, uh, it's like, OK, pal, then you get on the fucking Uber chat line and talk to your fucking yeah. local Uber drivers. People say that shit. They're like just looking to fucking be mad at people. I hate because I know you're like. I'm not spitting on the guy as he drives by. I'm paying him and tipping him well. I just want it to right. be quiet. I just want five minutes of quiet, which I would get if I paid for like a car service, which is what Uber's supposed to be replacing mm-hmm. and all that. And it, I just think a lot of people have these jobs as like networking uh, like things. Oh, and in outside of major cities too, I feel like when I'm in like Vegas and uh, my Uber driver is just like a 60 year old woman, she's just like, I'm retired and looking to chat with people, you know? And you're yeah, like, yeah. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt every once in a while. But after like, you're never in an Uber for more than like a half hour in Vegas, but like get an airport Uber and the person is chatty and then you get to traffic and you're like, Oh no. And we're just like, yeah. now they don't have to focus on the road and they could just fucking grill you. Oh, co- mm. that sounds fun. And then it's like, I'm, I'm picturing it's you. It's like, and, and what, sh- what show is that? And you're like, well, it's it's called Conan. And it's like, yeah, and what channel yeah, is that yeah. on? It's like, okay, you know what? <laughs> it's okay if you don't know it, but like, we don't right, know. Right. Now I got to go like, you're going, he's he's really tall, red hair. There's, I'm the guy who's like, <laughs> out there. like you're like, what? I'm like, I've, one time, and this is maybe where this humiliation comes from. One time someone said they recognized me and I was like, Oh, and they're like, what was it from? And I'm like, I don't know. I have not done anything that's, I don't have one singular credit. It's like, that's my favorite thing that people ask. <laughs> what do I know you from? I, know. I don't know. What am I fucking IMDb? <laughs> like, and, and your past all combined yeah. into one database. <laughs> like, I don't know. I had a person say like, where, and then I was like, oh, this is humiliating. I'm like, maybe this. And they were like, no. So now I'm list. I'm like five credits deep on myself and yeah. I only have four. Like I'm like <laughs> I'm already like you made, made one up. Yeah, I was like col- like I was literally at like maybe you know me from college humor sketch videos and that guy's like no and then he goes did you go to Mepham High School and I was like yes and he's like that's where I know you from and I'm like oh I look like such an asshole I listed like my TV credits and it's just some yeah, asshole I went to fair. high school yeah, come on that's not fair that's not fair I know but that's that hit hard good. when I was like you are yeah. a Hollywood douche dude yeah, yeah. where do I know you from it must be MTV2's guy code no <laughs> weird <laughs> The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Now, growing up on Long Island, because my experience with Long Island is from having lived in Manhattan. Yes. So, you know, Long Island is the suburbs of... Uh, New York, but there is, from my Midwestern perspective, a very, like, Long Islanders are different than people in other places, just in terms of, like, I remember being around, and it's New Yorkers, but it's Long Islanders, too. Being around Long Islanders, having a conversation and thinking, why are they fighting? Yeah, that's like, that's know, just base like, level. Like, what are they? Are what? Yeah, that's that's just exchange of information. Yeah, it sounds like like what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, ordering a sandwich and a coffee on Long Island sounds like you're starting a fight. It's like, let me get a uh, bacon, egg, and cheese, and a coffee, and two milks, one sugar. Hey, two yeah. milks, one sugar. And the guy's like, all right. And you're like, wait, that's yeah, just yeah, yeah. a conversation. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a weird fucking place. You said Long Islanders and New Yorkers. And and that's when you said that it kind of pinpoints what's up with Long Islanders live. We live a half hour or more or even less to away from a sit, one of the number one cities in the world where people the fly from. All, you can just say the yeah. number one. It is. People you know? fly from all over the world to visit New York City. And Long Islanders are like, I got a Thai restaurant right here in East Meadow. <laughs> like, I don't need to go to the city. <laughs> like, and it's like that attitude that kind of, in my mind, encompasses Long Islanders, where it's like, we got the beautiful island right here. It's like, well, yeah. you're a half hour away from maybe the cultural epicenter of the planet Earth. And they're like, we got a fucking beach. We got a nice Italian restaurant yeah, in yeah. town. We're set. And it's like, okay, I get like so many Long Islanders dislike the city yeah the city as we call it growing up well i think that there's something to that because in there was the same thing in chicago like my barber when i lived in chicago uh had a shop on irving park road which is 15 minute drive to downtown and i i was getting my haircut one day and he mentioned that he hadn't been downtown since the last time he had to renew his uh barber license in person and that was 35 years prior. That's great. <laughs> he had not been downtown, like not to a Bears game, not to, you know, I don't even think like a Cubs game. He's just like, nah, I like to stay in the neighborhood. And that's, there's something, but that's Chicago. I think there's something about denying the most metropolitan cultured city on the planet 
arguably, but not that big of an argument. Right. But to deny that, to be like, eh, that's fuck that. Yeah, I went. You know, I went once. Fuck the cradle of civilization. I went once in '94. We went to Ellis Island for a field trip. I get it. I got the city. Like that's like the attitude is like, oh, we got restaurants here. We got Broadway shows here. You know, every Long Islander. Like the moms in the upper middle class Long Island are like, we're going in a Broadway show and then we're having dinner at Carmine's. And then the rest of like everyone else is like, bro, you go in there, they'll fucking mug you. I'm not getting on the subway with the terrorists and shit. And you're like, who are you referring to? Right, yeah. right. Uh, this Black Lives Matter sh- uh, shit popping off, watching that reaction on Long Island where I thought it would be oh, yeah, bad. Yeah. And then seeing like the types of people I grew up with and seeing the counter protests and reading about how scared of Antifa so many people around Long Island are, I was like, fuck yeah, that's a different, it's a fucking weird place. I've heard it referred to as like a half hour away, uh, 30 minutes and 50 years away from the city. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Now, were you as a, as a young kid, were you aware of this? Did you start to get itchy to get out of there? I definitely was, itchy to get out of there. One thing I've always been is kind of open-minded and curious, like down to talk to different people about different things. I remember it like killed me. My mom didn't fly in a plane my entire life until I was like 20 something. I went on like one flight without her, drove to Florida every winter for 10 years. Yay. But like she was afraid of flying and it didn't matter to a lot of my family. And I was like, but don't we want to go places? Like, don't we want to go to like a tropical place? Like when you're a kid, the only thing you could think of in vacation is like beaches with like coconuts and scuba diving. Yeah, yeah. But then as I got older, I was like, we weren't poor. We 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 were very poor for a long time. But then we like my mom got a nursing job and my dad was uh IATSE in New York. Uh oh. one of those stagehand guys. Yeah, that's a stagehand union in New York for people that don't know. Yeah, and uh they're exactly the kind of guys you think they are. They're like sort of uh they're like very blue collar, but they're in the entertainment industry. But so I was always a little close to like he worked in at the news. So I was always a little close to news and TV and entertainment. So I kind of always knew a little bit. And that to me was just like the world is bigger. And I was always a movie fan. And then you would hear like Martin Scorsese, blah, blah, blah. And he made this movie and you find another. And I always wanted to know more. And I kept wanting to find more and more. And then I started to realize how limiting like my little circle was in like that's when i started to feel it when i was like okay yeah i guess i'll go to blockbuster and rent a movie and then you're like watching a movie and someone's going to like a you know single run theater and you're like oh that would be a cool thing to have here and long like and all of a sudden you're i just kept finding myself like wanting more and more out of my life just from having watched movies and hearing stories of like cool older people who have done things like yeah like I remember meeting someone whose brother was in the military and, and I was like, that's so scary. And he was like, it's scary, but I got to go to Japan for free. And in my head, I was like, oh, that's a goal. That's an interest. I want to yeah. go to Japan. This guy is so cool to me. And he wasn't cool at all, but he had gone to yeah. Japan. And that meant so <laughs> much to me that I was like, oh, that's something I'm definitely going to do. And like, I've just always been like that. And it sort of was the marker for to get me to like, to eventually I didn't like get hit with like the I got to get the fuck out of here until I was in my 20s. I was kind of like coasting like high school, college, whatever. I just want to get through this and figure life out. I just want to get fucked up and try to get 
jerked off in my 89 Buick Century custom. And <laughs> and then eventually in like in college I started like meet more people and like the even like the non-diverse people that I was meeting, the other upper middle class white tri-state area kids who went to my college, they were at least also like into different things and like I met like my first gay person like my my first gay friend I had I knew some gay kids in high school but I wasn't friends with them met like and like engaged on an adult 20 something level about homosexuality and talking and like I just was like oh holy shit and then I got an internship in New York City at uh, I love the 90s part duh and <laughs> again not super diverse uh, right. th- that the internship and PA world of MTV networks of the early 2000s, but smart, different people from all over who are now living yes. in the city, too. And so now I'm getting an idea of like, hey, we go to Coppersmith's on Tuesdays. It's buy one, get one free burgers and beers. And I'm 21 in college. And I'm like, these 28 year olds get together and talk about TV and movies and drink beers and eat burgers. And that's when I knew I was like that. Whatever that hipster lifestyle is, that's what I want from life. It's yeah, like I, yeah. it hit me. I was like, I my now wife was my girlfriend at this time in college. And I came home and I was like, we have to move to the city after school. We have to get jobs in the city. The city is where everything they have. A, Cause I was doing short form improv and I was like, they even have like improv schools in the city. Like I couldn't, like my mind was blown by yeah. it. And I was like, we got to go. And, and New York city to me was, and then I moved to New York city and then I was like, now I have to see the world. Like New York yeah. city teaches you a little bit about the world and you meet people from all over the world and who've gone all over. And that just kicked me off on a way up. Like I'm still not done yet. This is like, I just want to see and do, I truly am like a box checker guy. If someone's like, have you ever done blank? And I haven't, it goes in my head where I'm like, eventually I'll do this. I've like tried every organized sport. I've done a bunch of the extreme sports shit that a lot of people are afraid to do. I've tried everything and I intend to continue to try everything. As a matter of fact, I'm like trying to get in shape and live longer just so I could try more dumb, dangerous stuff. Like, <laughs> like my doctor's like, you have high blood pressure. I'm like, well, I got to take care of that. Cause I really want to get into scuba diving. He's like, okay. <laughs> have you bungee jumped? I have not bungee jumped, but I have skydived. Uh, yeah. Cause I, uh, with bungee jumping and zip lining, I think I'm too heavy. I just think that like, yeah, they don't make that for people my size. No, I definitely know? am. I also, was too heavy to skydive in college and lied. That's how dumb oh, I was. Really? Yeah, I was 235. They said you had to be under 225. So I said I was 220. I was like, they got to have 10 to 15 points of uh, 10 to 15 right, pounds right. of wiggle room. <laughs> yeah, 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 or else it's too dangerous. And my friends were like, you think this is a good idea? I'm like, I didn't drive all the way up to the fucking New Paltz to not skydive. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's something to people that just want they like with the way things are they look around everybody kind of looks like them they they're pretty good they can count on people kind of thinking like them and none of that's going to be that challenged and they like that and i don't i'm in the same way when from i don't know why but i was always like i don't like that yeah i like i like to be around different people you know it's exciting to be around it's funny to me sometimes if i say something political on on twitter like about homelessness or about race or something and there's people who will be like yeah well would you want them living in your neighborhood and 
The answer is, yeah, sure. They already do. Like, you know, like yeah, Syrian <laughs> refugees, bring them on. Yeah. You know, like uh, uh, Ethiopian refugees, <laughs> ah, fine. Yeah. Who's coming, you know, who's ending up on the shores of Greece? They can come to Burbank. I'll, you know, I'll tell, I'll tell them all about, uh, you know, about the Talleyrand. Uh, <laughs> um, well, now, what did you, I mean, what did you, when you were going off to college, what did you want to do with yourself? Did you have any kind of idea coming out of high school? school what you wanted to do yeah i wanted to be an fbi agent which is like oh, really? yeah i was why a, I, why that i mean i can kind of see i mean aside from the j edgar hoover stuff but definitely <laughs> crime fighting and solving crimes and shit sounds pretty cool and there's plenty of movies that make the fbi look pretty cool yeah, so I, you know 38 year old lefty gabrus is like you fucking scum are you gonna work for the state <laughs> busting <laughs> young black guys put planting crack in a house you know it's like all of a sudden i'm immediately the worst i hate but to give you a little background i wanted to be a navy seal my whole life because i'm a child of the 80s and 90s so i grew up just watching like action movies so i wanted yeah. to be in the military and then like around 14 years old 15 years old i i gained the power of self-awareness and someone was like you know you know how you like do everything in your power to get out of the mile run in gym? You might not make it at hell week at Navy <laughs> SEAL training. It's like, okay, okay. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's where my brain flipped to, okay. And my dad, who was not a very friendly, engaging guy, but he was more mature than my mom. You can ha like, I can't have any conversations about the future with my mom without her. Just, it's like, well, you got to be careful. FBI, Jonathan, that's bad. You got to be careful. I'm moving to California. Earthquakes, Jonathan, you got to be careful. My dad would have like a little more of a serious non-parental conversation. So we were talking and he's like, Johnny, all these guys, though, they're idiots. They're jocks. They're studs. But they're not necessarily that bright. You're smart. Figure out your way. And then that's where I landed on like, oh, I'll join the FBI where they have like a, cause I have also been reading nonstop Tom Clancy. I'm maybe the only 12 year old that had read 10 different books that took place during the Vietnam war where I was like <laughs> point man, chief James Watson uh, uh, launches the first uh, Navy SEAL team. In, <laughs> like, And I'm like, why am I a 12 year old wondering like, Oh, you got to wear uh, pajamas so that the VC take a second look at you before you blow them away on a hooch destruction mission. And my family's like, what are you talking about? Go play fucking yeah, yeah. t-ball, dude. Why do you have dad taste? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I truly had dad taste and I st still do. But so yeah. when I decided to, I was like, oh, I'll do the FBI. I started taking, I was in all these AP science classes and I was like, I'll back my way in via science. I'll work in like forensics or psychiatry. So I took AP psych and AP bio the next year because I was like, I'm going to, and like my AP psych teacher, I'll shout her out, Miss Maitland. She said to me, um, you don't want to work for the FBI. I'm like, yeah, I do. She's like, you should work in entertainment. And I'm like, no, I think my sense of humor is actually makes me good on my feet, which will help me as an FBI agent. Like that's what I was. I would later win a scholarship from the school for like $150 for a student looking to go into the performing arts. And, uh, my AP psych teacher is the one who signed me up for that. And I'm like, she's like, just you wait. And I said to her, I'm like, I'm going to prove you wrong. And then here I am not working in either industry, really. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But solving a lot of crime. Yeah, to be like fair, in your spare time. I'm planting a lot of guns on minorities. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I went away to school oh. as a science major. I went away to school as a bio major to pre-declared. And then, 
two weeks in of just like, you know, I had made out with like three girls prior to college. I had had sex with one. And by my first week of college, I was like, oh, I need to do everything in my power to be able to hang out and party here. And I was like, <laughs> switch my major to TV and film and just took all film classes and art classes. And it was like, join the short form and sketch improv troupe. And I was just like, fuck yeah, completely yeah. bailed on law enforcement. And now I'm arguably anti-law enforcement in some way. It's yeah, like, yeah, what a yeah, wild yeah. ride it's been from <laughs> now okay so you you start at ucb is that um how do how do you come to ucb i uh i was interning at oh this is actually interesting a uh, home for a summer in college some college some high school buddies are like we're gonna go into the city to go to a knicks game do you want to and again these are my you know three sort of hip friends that would be interested in going to the city it's like we're thinking of going in at the games at six we're thinking of going in at two and going downtown and getting seeing if our fake ids work in new york city and i was like fuck yeah this is my dream come true so yeah. we're walking around downtown i'm two years into school or three years into school at this point so i am in doing improv, I own a DVD player. I'm one of like the earliest adopter of a DVD player at my, like, cause it's 2002 and I'm 20 and I have a stack of DVDs cause I'm a, I'm a budding movie buff and bad with money. So I owned, <laughs> I owned the upright citizens brigade box set because I liked the comedy sketch comedy show. So I bought the box set and I was watching these sketches and loving it. And then we're walking down which I guess at the time was either 22nd or 23rd street. And I saw 22nd. 22nd. I saw the fucking deli grate that was painted with the 3d glasses, you know, that had like, and I went, Oh man, that's the TV show. What do they have this year for? So when I went back to home to my mom's house, I, it was pre Google. I Alta Vista, uh, the upright (laughs) Citizens brigade. And I found that they taught, improv and i was like whoa and the old website used to say like level one improv slash guerrilla tactics and it was like it had like bits written in it so it was like you will learn uh you know the basic tenets of ucb style chicago improv foundations of the herald and camouflage and assassination tech you know it was always like like a joke tag and to me i was like ooh, this seems anti-authoritarian it seems like these guys take comedy seriously which was all i was looking for was for people that took com who wanted to be who wanted to make comedy who wanted to do comedy for the rest of their lives so i saw that signed up my in between my junior and senior year of high school i was a jones beach lifeguard on long island uh and then one day a week i would have the early shift leave get on a train and ride the train in to take level one improv and i was a 21 year old with like blonde hair fully tan because i worked 48 hours in the sun and i would i would be in like board shorts and flip-flops and I, in hindsight, after I had taught level one for six years, eight years at UCB, I think if I had a kid in like who had like clearly come straight from the beach, I'd be like, I fucking hate this kid. And <laughs> I definitely in hindsight was all that and cocky and yeah, yeah, potentially one of the better people in the class too, just on like raw charisma, not bragging. It is a world's tallest little person competition. I'm talking about level one improv in Oh three. Right. And so I came in, I was cocky and getting laughs. And in hindsight, I must've just been the absolute worst person, but that was the first time I ever rode the train into the city. Like 
multiple times for yeah. by myself. And that was just like a real grow up moment where I was like, well, Wednesday nights I take the train in. And I remember the first time someone from my class was like, they lived, you know, most of them lived in the city. And he was like, Hey, some of us are going to get a beer after class. If you want to take a later train, I was like, and I was an alcoholic at the time, obviously. And I was doing improv. So clearly I was like, Oh, into, and my mom was like, you got home late last night. I was like, I went out for drinks in the city with some friends from class. And I remember thinking that sentence is insane. I'm home. Yeah, this, yeah. I'm home for the summer. I'm going into it. My mom's like the city. Where'd you go? I go, I don't know. It was a place near. Where is the class? Oh, I come out of Penn Station. I make a right. I go two blocks. I make a left. That's all I could like remember. <laughs> I didn't know addresses then and stuff. So I was like, I, in hindsight, I was probably drinking at like Mustang Harry's or Mustang Sally's, one of those like yeah, yeah. Time, like uh, Penn Station bars. Now, uh, uh, Wendy, you 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 start doing uh, the UCB Improv, which you'll get such a good attitude there and such a good like sort of philosophy. And it's like you said, reading that thing about. You know, we also will teach you guerrilla tactics and assassination and stuff. And you said it's because they're serious about comedy. And yes, it is serious, but it's also fucking fun. You know, like they're also like to say that it's like to get in part like, yeah, no, we're serious about this. But also the bottom line is to have fun. Like if yeah. what's the fucking point of this if we're not having fun? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I was learning from the guys, from the people who learned from, unfortunately, mostly guys, uh, from the people who learned from the UCB4. So I was like one yeah. stage removed. My little Im improv Yoda was uh, Michael Delaney for me, who was mm. two things for me that made that made him really like he took a very intellectual approach to it, or at least yeah. in hindsight seemed like he did. I mean, who knows really, but the way he like overanalyzed everything, I really appreciated because it was like, oh, this is starting to feel like comedy class. And also yeah. he was a tough laugh. And it was just like the teacher thing where it's like, well, if I'm going to laugh from someone who's a tough laugh, it means that much more. And it's important. Yeah. Also, Delaney a few times said things that just unload, like unpacked me in a way where I'm like, I think I'm starting to get improv better. And one of the things he said early on, which is the ultimate way to get me to do what you want. He complimented me and took a dig at me with a constructive criticism turn in there. He like psychoanalyzed. He was like, See, when you have someone like Gabrus in a scene who can just be funny if needed, that ends up being a weakness because you'll you'll never dig and you'll never try yeah. to find the really interesting, funny nugget, the real uh, unusual thing. Yeah. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, so you're saying like, don't go for like the easy laugh necessarily? And he was like, yeah, exactly. And I was yeah. like, to me- Getting that, but the fact that he said a guy like you can get a laugh in a moment. And to me, I was just like, that was all the power I needed to continue. You know, that was my yellow belt test. I was like, I am hooked <laughs> on your forms. I, I'm going to study this martial art forever, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel like baptized in the fire there. And I, I, what I like about that, too, is that um, it is it's not about. Uh, you know, the easy laugh is the easy way to boil it down. But there is a lot of comedy out there that's like, 
a laugh is a laugh. If you can get a laugh, get that fucking laugh. And there's a lot of improv, you know, I think a lot of like what West Coast improv was is, hey, if you've got a funny character with a funny voice, use that motherfucker up. Do yeah. it as much as you want. Whereas the from Adele Close School, it was like, if you do something once, you can't do it again. Yeah. Like you, you know, you can't do that. You can if you want, but you know, people are going to think like, mm, no, no, you were lazy. You know, like you, you, yeah. you went for it. And I mean, and then there's also sometimes where you're just like, you're in the middle of a scene and you got to get out and let's just get a laugh and move on. Or you're like on a college at a college gig and you're like, who gives a fuck? I'm leaving this town right after. Let me do it. Hey, it's me, Plumber Johnny, a guy I did 11 times. And I know this voice kills every time. Yeah, I'm basically Joe Pesci, but, you know, (laughs) I call myself the plumber. Uh, Wait, Richter, you're you're saying something here that I, I... I don't need to get into the weeds about comedy taste and all that, but something you're saying here is there is something about the UCB style, the Dell, the Harold style, which is sort of antithetical to success in Hollywood, which I don't, yes. which do, isn't a bad thing necessarily, but I think that's where people realize the wrong thing. Cause even when I was younger, I could like when I was first coming up and people would be like, you know, don't lean into your strengths. You know, Gabrus, you play a lot of characters like this. Try playing characters like this. And then you would watch people like, and this is no shots against them. These are some of my favorite performers, but people like Rob Riggle and uh, Horatio Sands and Jack McBrayer, who kind of do their thing very well. They know themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah. And they don't abuse it on stage necessarily, but that's how they get vaulted into career success. And that's not, and I feel like that was the lesson that was just sort of missing for me. And I had to like, take it upon my, I had to learn it the hard way. Like eight years in was like, Oh, you know, being good at the Harold, being a good one eighth of a Harold team member is more of a skill set like being good in a writer's room. Whereas yeah. it's not necessarily, you're not going to get cast because like, holy shit, Richter set up that fucking meta group game in the second yeah. that kind of really brought home the the theme, thematic element of uh, a protest. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. no one's like, bring that guy in for SNL. <laughs> like, you know, it's like Andy Richter does that uh, Chicago baker who doesn't know what a kolache is. And it's like, <laughs> that's the guy that, you know, that makes you a million dollars over yeah. five years. Or right. <laughs> well, it's the difference between it, between it being a transaction and it not being a transaction. You right. know, like it, if you say to somebody, you can get the easy lap, but you should, and that's a detriment. You should work harder. That's like saying, Think about the art of it. And you're not thinking about the art of it just for yourself. You're thinking about it for the audience, too. Yeah. Like the audience, whether they know it or not, they want, you know, they're coming to see an improv show. They're not going to see Dane Cook. Right. You know, they're 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 coming to see something that's a little bit challenging that they might have to be patient for. Could potentially so be bad. That. Yeah, you're yeah, right. It yeah. could be bad. It could be bad, you know. So that's why the ticket's never that expensive. Yeah, right. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the analogy I want to throw out here, which just came to me. Um, it's sort of like, uh, say, doing IO style, uh, UCB style Harold's or whatever is Kung Fu. You mm-hmm. might not want to do Kung Fu in a street fight. You yes. might need to, you might be able to bring some Kung Fu elements in to protect yourself. Yes. But really, yes. it's about survival. And just like, yes. that's kind of what, 
UCB is to Hollywood, where you're like, this is a good skill set, but you're not going to win street fights doing crane style. Yeah, yeah. And people will pay to come see you do crane style because it's beautiful and esoteric and interesting art, but don't try to do crane style at UFC. Like, uh, at at UFC, play by their rules, you know? Yeah, yeah. I never thought of it like that, but it's like, and this happened to me later on in life when I first moved to LA. I kind of like diversified myself from UCB when I was like, I was a big fish in a little pond in New York. Then I moved out here and I was a little fish in a big pond, but also I noticed more ponds. And that is yeah. something I didn't pick up on in New York. I was like, I could have been doing stand up in my 20s when I had infinite energy and uh, free time. Yeah, yeah. But to me, I was like, I got to focus on improv. But it's like five nights a week versus two nights a week in the long run. You're, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So when I came well, out here, I was like, it's not just UCB for me. I'm going to do stand up. And I had done a few gigs with other stand up people who were kind of like, they have no idea what's going on at UCB and UCB people had no idea what was going on in mainstream standup. And I was just like, Oh shit, there's definitely something to be learned everywhere. So that's kind of where I fell into that of like, I'm going to diversify. And so I guess long story short, I did not learn my lesson of like, I need to, uh, focus and get my figure out what my Jack McBrayer, what my John Gabris bookable archetype is or whatever. Instead, I'm like, keep diversifying. Try more stuff. Is it podcasts? Is it Twitch? Is yeah, it stand up? Yeah. Is it improv? Is it sketch? Is it uh, acting? I just keep throwing shit and go full circle here. I think that's part of what I don't mind looking dumb. I'm very curious and I, and I chase experiences. So of course my career is at this point where it's like, yeah, I've been on wild and out and comedy bang, bang, like two spectrums of like uh, the comedy world where, and it's like, I don't have major success in any of the worlds, but I'm enjoying the fact that like my experience has been diverse, like, uh, and not diverse in the uh, hiring practices of a Hollywood writer's room way. I just mean like from a different, I wouldn't refuse to engage engage with other races. I'm just talking about other ideas. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? The video game analogy I always use is, like, I love those role-playing games, like Skyrim and stuff, like, that are, like, D&D adjacent. And I'll have eight level 20 characters rather than one level 80 character, you know, like where it's like, I finish the game. It's like, I keep, I don't know if I should be a mage. Maybe I should be an archer. No, I should, I swear I should use a sword and shield. And that's like where I'm at where I'm like, I don't want to dedicate too much more time in case this isn't the right. And then that's where I'm in my own head about that shit. So I'm, I'm, I'm past, I'm past all that. I'm really settling into, uh, like this sort of like, 
quasi retirement energy of like I know it's Welcome crazy to, to say it's almost forty. I've, I've, <laughs> I've said it all the time. I feel like I'm fucking retired. <laughs> I sit around the house all day. I mean, like you're probably one of the few humans I'll speak to today. You know, just, <laughs> just honestly, cause. let's take a moment to say thank God for podcasts in this quarantine. Oh, yeah. I'm like my my wife works a full time job, so I would just be in this room trying not to bother her like that would yes. be my day-to-day and the fact that i get to like chop it up with for an hour and 90 minutes two hours with different friends and different people i barely know even it just feels good to have that injection of yeah. i'm doing strangers podcasts just to be like ah yes i can still talk to someone who i haven't been living with for like like i'm worried <laughs> and serious question are you worried at all that you're like losing chops in any way. I'm a little bit concerned. Um, I performed live at least once a week, if not multiple times a week for 15, 16 years. This, and now I haven't stood up in front of a live crowd in like nine months. Yeah. I miss it. Will I be good at it again? Can I f- emotionally handle bombing? Like, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't feel as into, and I think that's just a matter of like, rustiness where it's like wait pass me the ball okay yeah actually i still have some moves here yeah oh yeah yeah but i'm dying to find out i still have the moves you know what i mean oh it'll be i'm sure it'll be fine yeah (laughs) but it might be you know the thing too is it might be weird you might do it and kind of feel like you know what the the thrill is gone and you know i i don't know you know that's Uh, i Yeah, I, I mean that's uh, that's my fear and i you know I, i for me it's less about you know, because I'm still doing the Conan show as it is, well, yeah. which is, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm sitting in the audience 40 feet from him and you know, still crack wise. And that's kind of, you know, and that's kind of the idea behind it. And I still am involved, not as much involved as kind of like just the production and the writing of the show as I would be uh, on a regular day when there were regular rehearsals and regular scripts coming down. Now I kind of show up and it's like, oh, this is what we're doing. Um, but yeah, it's, I, uh, it's, uh, it, that part I'm okay with, but it is like the, the, like, am I going to be able to like write something? Like, can I, can I write a sitcom anymore? Yeah. Can I write a, you know, like, I don't know. I, you know, it's, it, it's, and I got time to do it. It's just, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, a couple of things you said, uh, triggered a couple of things for me. Uh, Today, my writing partner and I were meeting earlier and he said something to the effect of like, what do you think would have happened? Like we've been working together on and off for like 15 years. It's like, what do you think would have happened if when we were 25 and you were a waiter and I was a temp and we were trying to do comedy in New York City and I had three roommates and you had six roommates? What do you think would have happened if the pandemic hit then? Like, what would that be like for us right now? We're able to like, well, we still have this development thing we have to work on. Mm -hmm. Thank God. But back then, and we were like, would that have made us say, do we even want to do comedy? I I wonder how many young people who maybe wanted to do comedy are so destroyed by this or the timing of this, where they're like, now I want to work in public health or now I want to not live in a city at all. Or I want, you know, my, my entire plans have changed because being 20 something broke in New York city sounds fun when it's not a fucking global pandemic. So I'm very curious about that. And then the other smart thing I overheard recently was Heather Ann Campbell, very smart person, very funny person. She said, I wonder what our like 
great depression habits like this generation and the younger people even more like everyone had that grandma that's like she keeps all her cash yeah. in a nylon in her drawer she refuses yeah what if saves every shopping bag yes exactly you what's know, gonna be art like, it's like 600 shopping bags right yeah a kid like maybe you know uh, a 20 a 19 year old now is someone who whose grandkids would be like yeah my grandma wipes down the grocery delivery still yeah, i guess yeah, it was yeah. something from when she dealt with COVID-19 like yeah. I feel like what is going to be that because you you made me think of it when you said it might feel weird doing comedy again I might be on stage doing ASCAT and look at the crowd and just picture that CNN graphic of red and blue yeah. droplets shooting out of the crowd's <laughs> mouth and be like no, I'm going to just do podcasts yeah. and live streams from here on out like yeah. it's possible and that scares me because like in-person shit is like is exciting is thrilling but not driving to Franklin Village <laughs> two nights a week. Also fun. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> well, uh, positive end there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not in. We're not in this yet. Because I, uh, but yeah, we are. I, I'm looking at the clock here. We are. Uh, it's time getting time to wrap it up. I wanted to know: is there some like is there a dream project for you? Like, do you have? Is there something that you really are dying to do, or is there something you're dying to do that doesn't have anything to do with comedy? You know, are you living on a houseboat or yeah. I don't know, you know. I, I will say my goals used to be very career oriented and now my goals are very lifestyle oriented in a way where it's kind of like I'm ready for retirement and I'm also ready to live like a monk in retirement if it means it starts sooner. Does that make sense? Like I don't mm -hmm. want a cush life. I just want to relax. I want the beach to be a major part of my future. So, but if I had to get like a dream project to throw out there, it would be something that pays me to collect experiences. And that is sort of like the way it works now is I make money doing my career and then I spend it on experiences. experiences yeah. If I could do some sort of middleman thing where I got a travel show or like, uh, yeah, yeah. Those uh, are the best. Those truth or dare great. with Gabris. You know what I mean? Like yeah, some shit yeah. where it's like, I dare you to shoot a sniper, right? I dare you to jump out of a helicopter into the ocean. Jumping out of a helicopter into the ocean is very high on my list of things I want to check off. I want to do it so badly. And then in Seinfeld's newest standup special, he himself jumps from a chopper into like the East river. Yeah. And I'm like, Holy shit. That's so funny. A guy who I've been watching since childhood, who ostensibly we work in the same field it, to v v violently different levels. But I'm like, it's funny that <laughs> Jerry wanted to do that too. Like, it's just funny that he did the thing where he's like, well, now I have a budget for a special. Why don't I jump out of a helicopter? And yeah, it's like, yeah. it just made me feel connected cosmically to like this guy who's like a Long Island comedian who wants to jump out of a helicopter. Just feels cool that, it's someone else's goal too. The, so, there's there's a documentary about one of the scions of the. He was a he was like a jet set playboy. I can't remember his name right now, but he was um, he was the Fiat family, you know, the Italian car family. Yeah. And after World War II, you know, like they there was this huge boom and he had all this money and he just basically did cocaine and hung out in the Riviera. Oh fucking yeah! <laughs> every morning. 
would have a helicopter drop him into the ocean and he would swim back and have breakfast. Like when oh. he was in wherever it was. I don't know whether it was, you know, Dreams. Monaco or wherever or on the, you know, can or wherever. The but way you're talking every, about the location, too, day. all I'm picturing is talented Mr. Ripley, which is also what I picture when I think yes. about uh, my post work life is like yes, yes. short shorts and Negronis as yeah. I like w- watch young European women bathe. <laughs> yes. And a healthy dose of like uh, obsession and, yeah. you know, Potential murderous impulse. Eroticism. Yeah. yeah, I want all yeah, of that yeah. bubbling, of yeah. course. Fake IDs. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta have all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, do you, um, you know, the, the, is there one major lesson you've learned that you could impart or is there, you, you know, just kind of like an attitude thing that you, I mean, it kind of sounds, you know, you're getting away from specific things and more into kind of situations, you yeah. know, like, you but- know. Uh, two phrases come to mind when uh, you say like anything I've learned. And I think everyone has learned this. These are just two things that I took aggressively to heart. And I kind of not mantras I live by, but these are two things that I insist on like living by and force other people around me to deal with. Like one is when in Rome do as the Romans do like mm-hmm. that is something that I have. And I think that is, part of my open-mindedness, my curiosity. Okay, here in the Yukon is where you do a shot of liquor with an old frozen toe in it. All right, yeah, fine. Like yeah. <laughs> I want to participate. I want to do the thing. I made a, a, a promise. My, you know, my wife doesn't eat beef or pork anymore, and I eat way less of it, but I said to her, I'm like, you know, I'll never say I won't eat something because if someone makes me something, I will always eat it. If someone, no matter, I think I might be allergic. I don't know if I can handle that. I'm full. It's too spicy. I have to go running after this. I will never turn down. Someone has made me something. I will always try that. And then this one is from my dad who I never really got along with, but we lived, he, he said this to me when I went to my first like new year's Eve party, when I was like of drinking age, which on long Island in the nineties was 14. And he was like, (laughs) Johnny, Act like you've been there before. And apparently it was like a famous Giants coach expression when someone got a penalty for celebrating in the end zone. The coach was like, hey, that's the end zone. Act like you've been there before. And it was just the attitude of like, chill out. You're at a party. Don't fuck. You don't have to be the guy who's like, whoa, look at that. You know, and my dad like kind of taught me that of like, just act like you've been there before. And it's been very helpful and it is sort of an anti-anxietal mantra of like if you're in like a meeting or a scary a situation that is not scary but in like you're talking about a cautious situation yeah if you just in your head go you've been here before just do act as though you've done this before and that's kind of gives you that false sense of confidence that can be misconstrued as actual confidence by someone else and it's like that has worked for me for a long time is doing it when in rome and act like you've been there before yeah then that's that's one of my favorites is fake it till you make it. And yeah, yeah. Similar, similar <laughs> kind of thing. Like, oh, they, oh, these people want me to come in here and do this thing. I mean, it'd be rude to act like I don't I couldn't. Yeah. You know, they think I can. So I better do it. It's a know? great counter to the imposter syndrome. What you're describing yeah. is just like, well, you know what? This is what I'm supposed to do. So fuck it. Let's try yeah, it. Yeah, baby. Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, maybe they don't know what they really want. Maybe I'm the one who's going to show them what it's supposed to be. And I'm wrong for even second guessing myself yeah yeah 
Cool. Well, John, John Gabris, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Richter, this was a fucking blast, comfy. dude. Oh, good, a, good. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, um, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. And uh, hopefully I'll see you on one. Of, Matt Besser uh, from UCB has uh, occasional little 420 Zoom. Th- uh, yeah, the requirements Zooms. are be at le- youngest age 40 and, and willing to smoke <laughs> weed on camera with friends. <laughs> I love a situation where I'm the young guy. And those are all my Besser situations because we've yeah, always yeah, been yeah. buddies. He's like, come along with me. And I'm like, yeah, I love yeah. being young. I feel so out of touch everywhere else. And here I'm like, yeah. ah, you mean woke AF. Yeah. <laughs> no, he just he'll occasionally just send an email to you know five or six of us that's like doing four and it is at 420 on whatever Friday or something and I've been to a couple of them and it is it's again it's so it's just like it's delightful you'd think like oh it's a it's a a lesser quality interaction to be on zoom with your friends but it's like no no it's pretty fucking great it's It's pretty good it's a low bar for what counts as like an uh, a, a strong interaction with your fellow man these days yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, like I'm going to ride off the energy of just me and you talking. Like we've known each other for a long time, but we haven't had this much of a con- This to me is like, I had a wonderful day today. I oh, talked good, good. to a person about <laughs> heady things that yeah. a person who I have a lot in common with. So it's so exciting. It's like this, the bar and not no offense, but the bar is so low. It's like, yes, Andy gave us, look, we're connecting. <laughs> it feels so fucking good. And the screen shit, the podcast part of it all washes away. And I'm just happy to be engaging and laughing and making another person laugh. It's just, the bar is low and I appreciate you just letting me come on here and fucking chop it up. I'm happy to do it. And I'm I'm glad for all of you out there listening. Uh, And thank you for tuning in. And we will be back at you next week with more Three Questions. Fuck yeah. I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Golitsa Hayek, and engineered by Will Beckton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 